We're going to jump right into the Gospel of Mark. Will you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7? If you are a first-timer, we are an expository preaching church, meaning we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse, and for the last year, we have been going faithfully to these verses. We took a break once in a while to to address some issues, theological issues and topics in our culture and day. And really, this part of the passage, we're calling it culture versus commandments. Say it with me. Culture versus commandments. Because we're identifying there's some things in church culture, not, and that could be so much different cultures if you add the Hawaiian-ness to it, right? That, that is not that we practice, but don't line up with God's word, the way we would present commandments. And so we got this brother named Brother Mark. Say, aloha, Brother Mark. He gives us hope because just like every one of us, he, he was kolohe, he was rascal, he was, a, he, was incon- he was consistently inconsistent. Can I get a witness there, right? Just like all of us, right? He falls short of the glory of God. Um, he was a back. I would say a one who stabbed someone in the back. He was not committed to the mission. We see it in the book of Acts, but we get hope because we see that Mark learns of his ways. And one of the main stories and narratives in all of scripture is the gospel of Mark. And he's moving quickly among the ministry of Jesus, specifically the healing ministry of Jesus. And we get to this portion where Jesus is in conflict with the religious rulers of the day. Right? And nothing different with what's going on in our own context, right? With the ruling governors and the native people, there is conflict. Like, there's still, still that going on in the world, and it's still happening here. Jesus is confronting those who are considered the church, the churchy people, the religious rulers. And what we do, we dive into a specific portion in chapter 7 where Jesus could get punched in the mouth because of what he told these religious rulers, right? Because Jesus calls these rulers the big H word. What is those words? Hypocrites, right? He's a, they were hypocrites. Can I get a witness? Just a joke, right? Right? They, they, they were preaching something that was culturally relative, but doctrinally wrong. No different from today, I promise you, I'm not trying to be arrogant or cocky, because I love you, I'll say this, there's many churches today that will be preaching a message to make people feel better about themselves today. That is never my heart. My heart is never to make you feel better about yourself today. My heart, my heart is for you to examine your heart. Let the word lome lome and shape that the way the Spirit wants you to shape it. So Jesus is calling these religious rulers. Let me get it more personal. You guys ready? Jesus is calling us hypocrites. Remember, the he- we're not the hero in this narrative. Jesus is. All right? We're actually the opposite. We're the villain. Right? We're the Pharisees. We're the scribes. We're the disciples, right, who still is not know what's going on. They even make it clear last week, right, and the weeks before, that they didn't know what these healings and this, all these made sense, and they were burdened by that God would even heal some of these people. And then we get to a point where Jesus clarifies the hypocrisy that is going on. Will you stand with me in the reading of God's perfect word? Short verses. 
with heavy truth. It says in verse 14, And Jesus called the people to him again and said to them, Say those two words, one, two, three. Hear me. Everybody, look at me. Hear Jesus today, right? Open up your ears. Open up your hearts today. Hear me, all of you. All of you, Ohana. And understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can what? Defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what, what? Defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, changing sceneries right now, his followers asked him about the parable. And Jesus said to them, then are you also without understanding? Listen to me, everybody. This should give you hope. We got 12, let's just say Kanakas, right? We got 12 Kanakas hanging out with the God of the universe for three years. They're still asking elementary stories. Sound like parenting, amen? <laughs> I talk about you older parents too, the one you still shepherding the 40-year-old children, right? Hawaiian, contextualizing, how contextualizing, Hawaiian, brah, he's hanging out with me, three years, you lolo, you don't understand, right, contextualize it, he goes on, do you not see what, whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, right, since it enters not his heart, but his what, stomach, and is what, expelled, if I have to go through what expelled meaning in a person's body, we got to take everybody back to Kiki Church after this, all right? <laughs> meaning the food does not stay in all the way, right? What goes in you must come. All right, theologians. Thus he declared all foods clean. Can I get an amen to that, Gentiles? Amen. I love my pork feet, man. Yeah. <laughs> and he said... What comes out of a person is what defiles him. Can I get an amen? For from within, out of the heart of man, here you go, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Let me contextualize the word defile. They corrupt you. God, speak to our corrupted hearts. Renew in us a steadfast spirit. We give you our ears, our minds, our heart, our body, our soul. Minister to us. In Jesus' name we pray. God's Ohana says, Amen. Nohoilalo. You may be seated. In 1990, there was a famous song. This song was on the charts of the billboards, right? And the song was called, Girl, You Know It's True. How many of you would be so bold that you were around that time? Rocking and jiving to that song. Would you raise your hand right now? Antikeha, you better raise your hand, Hawaii. You know you was rocking it, right? Right? 
you, I know, we was, hey, as a five-year-old, I remember that song, all right? If you don't know, let me remind you of the melody. Girl, you know it's true. Help me out. Ooh, 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 or whatever you, right? Whatever the case is, right? And it was sung by the great Nilly Vanilli. It became famous. Oh, now you guys know. Yeah, Auntie, now you know. Now you know, right? The German, they were, actually, they're considered Europeans, German boy band, two-person boy band, right? And around 1990, they had a concert, American tour, European tour, and in this specific tour, while they were doing their moves, right, they were doing their move, and they are singing, they doing their dance, and singing, and all that in great harmony. And, I mean, back then, that, that 80s techno sound was, was the deal. I don't know why, as a musician, I would never play that kind of style of music. It is what it is. But it was the deal. And then, within the song, you heard one of the most shameful acts of pop culture music. You guys ready? Girl, you know, girl, you know, girl, 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 you know, girl, you know. And what was being said over the speakers was not matching the bodies of Milli Vanilli. And then people came to conclusion, Milli Vanilli was a bunch of frauds. It wasn't them. They did a whole investigation. It wasn't them that did the music. In fact, they did a, you, know, you guys remember VH1 behind the scenes and all that, right? You guys thought, oh, but Kahu knows all this stuff. Oh, I wasn't always Kahu Hawaiians, let me tell you that right now. Okay? All right? They did this documentary, all this stuff. They had these great singers in the background. And now, like, we, and, and they got bombarded. Death threats, all this stuff. Give me my money back, whatever the case is. And today, we have people like Channing. What is that guy's name? Tatum, Channing, Channing Tatum, whatever the guy's name, the actor, doing lip sync contests and making billions of dollars off of people. You see what's wrong with that? They corrupted the world. And people was blaming them on all that they were making up of with lip singing. Eventually, we would find out years down the road that these two men were actually talented. They could play instruments. They could sing. But it was based on the people they were surrounded around that corrupted their view of music and talent. Can I be very honest with everyone in this room? Because everyone feels like, man, you're going after heaven. You're going after the heart of God every Sunday morning. But if you're not a musician, all right, like me, or you can't see it, or you don't have a great ear, you may wonder, when doing worship services, right, where's that electric guitar player coming from? <laughs> Where's that organist coming from? You guys hear those sounds on the speakers? We're just going to be honest with you. That's not coming from the band. There's this thing called an iPad right now. This iPad has a loop system in there, okay? And so there's some weekends where our drummer can't make it, our bass player can't make it, and so guess who can make it? Jesus. <laughs> Shame on you guys. <laughs> Giving man credit and all that. Jesus. Right, right? Well, listen to me. What was that? Almost 30 years ago, that would be corruption in our day with Milli Vanilli, Right? We have, we've got technology that supports us, that makes our experience much better. But what I want to see is what happens when you see a corruptive action 
influence people. There's corruption in the church. Specifically the church, and they're not calling it a church, but I call it the church, the religious leaders. Jesus is calling them hypocrites because they used man-made traditions to oppress the people they lead. You have to do this, wash your hands. A specific way, soap was not enough. In fact, in the ritual of washing your hands, you have to add anointing oil and, and all this stuff because it was a sign of atonement and white blemishing. And what happened was these followers of Jesus weren't doing that. They were just going straight to the table and eating, right? We made the joke last week, one of the traditions we practice in Hawaii is that before we enter our house, what we'll do at the holly at the door? We put our slippers. We put the slippers. That was a tradition. Now, in the mainland, you can wear your shoes. You can go. Some of you who wear your shoes in your house, hey, that's you. That's not us. But it's a tradition, not right or wrong. It's just the way we were raised. Can I get a witness? And it's the same place with the religious people. This is the way they were raised. They knew nothing better. And Jesus confronts them. While you're focusing on washing your defiled hands, you're neglecting your kupuna. You're, ne you're neglecting your makuakane. Makuahine, your parents, you're neglecting them. You have a PhD in philosophy and theology. But now that you have all this, you don't need your mother and father. But now your mother and father is struggling. And brother, the Lord said in the fifth commandment, you shall what? Honor your mother and father. Right? And they neglected God's commandments for their man-made tradition. This is corruption, people. This is corruption, and so what I want us to see, here's a reality truth as an umbrella statement for our message today, and it's this. What corrupts a person is not what goes into the individual, but rather what comes out of the individual. Can I get a witness there, right? Read this with me. One, two, three. What corrupts a person is not what goes into the individual, but rather what comes out of the individual. The Lord Jesus gets back to the original problem. Here's the original problem for all humanity. Hold on, hold on. Before we get there, I want you to hear me out. The problem with humanity is not behavior issues or habitual issues. They smoke, they drink, and then they smoke the illegal stuff. And then they buy all this stuff and not take it. It's not all that issues, all right? Here's the issue with all humanity when it comes to corruption. It's on the screen. You ready? It's the doctrine of Sin. The doctrine of sin. It is very important that everyone who followed Jesus knows the doctrine of sin. What is sin? It's up on the screen. Sin is the act of breaking God's law. Specifically, we see God's law in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, where we have the ten what? The Ten Commandments. It's very clear. The first four commandments is in direction with our relationship with God, right? And then the next six commandments, five through ten, is in direction to how we relate to one another. These are the main commandments. These commandments, right, oversee all the Levitical law, all the cultural, traditional laws of the day. And the religious leaders were forsaking these Ten Commandments for the other cultural, contextual, and traditional laws for their means of authority, for their means of oppression, for their means of power. How they ruled people was simply by using man-made traditions like slippers by the door or slippers by the door, right, 
to put persecution and oppression on their people. And listen to me. I understand this is not a popular definition. I understand sin is, is not a popular thing to talk about. But I want to be very clear. We talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ every week in our church. There is no way we can comprehend God's good news apart from man's bad news. Okay, let me say that again. There is no, this is why we preach it every week, because we don't want to be presumptuous on you. We don't want to assume that you know the true gospel. The true gospel, and we'll talk to this more and more and more as, as the days goes on in our church, but there's two things about sin, the bad news for man, that we see in our text. Number one, sin is inherited. Just like we inherit stuff from people who've passed on, you know, like materialistic things, like for my family, we've inherited land, we've inherited other things, stocks and bonds, because of our grandfather who passed away, I've inherited some instruments. If you go inside of my office, you'll see a lot of instruments on the wall. I've inherited half of them because that I've gotten that from someone who owned it before. Well, this is the same for our spiritual life. We've all inherited sin. From who? Adam and Eve in the garden. Every man, person, and child have experienced this inheritance. In fact, Romans says it this way. Therefore, just as sin came into the world... Through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to what? All men, because what? All have sin. Sin is inherited. Secondly, sin is imputed. I would say more this way, imputated, right? I Meaning it's injected. Sin is injected. Romans 3.23 says it this way. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let me wow you with this. Okay? This is not just people who are adults, okay? This is for also those goo-goo-ga-ga, hazel-eyes, kind of core, three-year-old baby. Can I get a witness out there, right? Like those little ball of sin. Can I get a witness, right? Those babies weren't taught to nag by you. It was their sinful nature. The Bible says we all of us, and, what, and this is what sin does. Sin makes sin look pretty. Can I get a witness there, right? It can't be kind of cool. Oh, he's so precious. I feel like I'm picking on Auntie Kehal today. Paul, legend. Oh, he's so perfect. He's so perfect. Then like 12 o'clock at night, you hear the Hawaiian scream. Ah! 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 Oh, tutu coming, tutu coming. Pick him up. Ah. Who taught that little ball of sin to do that? Nobody. It's his nature. And every, every person on the face of the planet who has lived, who is living, and who will live will all be under this category. I don't believe in the year of accountability. I don't believe that there is an accountable age where someone can finally uh, own up for their sin. Everyone, all people have fallen short of the glory of God because of sin. Because salvation has never been determined by you choosing God. Salvation has always been determined by God choosing you. 
It's hard to be accountable when you don't know what you're being accountable for. Sin does that. Sin separates that from you. Sin. And so what, what we want to be very clear of, no one is excused from sin this morning. We have all sinned. We have all inherited it. We have all been imputated by it. Therefore, we have all sinned against God. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. Not er. Don't do er. Do ah. Because we Hawaiians over here. Say neighbor. You sinful. Don't punch it. Don't neighbor. Don't punch him. Okay. Do not punch him. It's the truth. We are all sinful. That's why it, it bothers me as a, as a leader in the community when people would make this excuse. You ready? Oh, I don't want to go to church because church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. Well, you are perfect. Come join us, hypocrite. <laughs> right? Right? I don't want to join that church on top of the hill because that's where all the drug addicts was. Perfect. Come join us. We all addicts. You see the balance now there, yeah? We're not playing the victim anymore. We are all flawed. We all get issues. We all get hakaka with each other, with God. And the word says that sin is inherited. Sin is imputed. Therefore, we all sin against a holy God. And I don't know about you, but it's been hairy hot this week. I was at a game yesterday, and I realized that a sin was committed in my truck. That sin was that my family took all my umbrellas out of my truck. Pray for me, okay? And them. Because oh. the ham was coming right now, all right? And when you go into Waikil, all right, stadium, these Hawaiians decided to go the Hilo route, the Hilo High School route, the cheap route. They did not put a roof on there like how Honokai won't have one roof right now, all right? It's all sun. I come in there, even as a sinner, all mad, muttering under my lips, God provides grace for me. How? Carrie Lou then had an umbrella. <laughs> Sam had an umbrella. Right? And in my heart, I was like, God, we are undeserving. Like, I'm un- like this, oh, this heat is like ungodly. Like, Jesus. Growing up, it feels like Vegas today, just without the humidity. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I taste it. I feel like I'm a pork in an emu. Ah. <laughs> it is hell and hot in here. And then Sam would put me in my place. Said, "Brother, but you know what?" Sam was like, "Kahu, hell gonna be hotter than this." If that never changed my theological spectrum on the heat yesterday, it did. I think that's the problem with us. We treat sin like it's diabetes, right? Like, oh, we can take metformin. We'll be fine, Hawaiian. Exercise can go away, right? That's how we treat on that sin. But sin sends us to hell. Sin separates us from a holy, good, righteous God. And what I want you to see, I want you to see these two profound statements in our small little verses. And I want you to see how God communicates sin. So, so here's two truths about sin. Number one, the root of sin always begins from the inside. Say that with me. One, two, three. The root of sin always begins from the inside. 
in two real short verses, the Lord Jesus delivers a short but very theological parable. All right? He says this. All right? Remember, a parable is a story with a what? A lesson. Right? And the last time we see Jesus in the Gospel of Mark talking about a parable is in chapter 4 where Kahu Marcus illustrated the souls, um, the, the soils. And, all. and what we see here is that, is that Jesus drops a f- two big phrases to help us kick off a theological understanding of sin and the gospel. He says this, hear me, all of you, and understand. Let me say it again. He says, hear me, all of you, and understand. These are profound theological words that we have to break down. And it's, it's this way. There's three things that come out of these three phrases. Number one, the gospel is meant to be, thir- be heard. Jesus says, hear me. All right? Secondly, the gospel is meant for all people. Second phrase, he says, all of you. Right? The third thing, the gospel is meant to be understood. Right? He says over here, and understand. These three things gives us clarity on how we address the root of sin. How? It needs to be shared to people, not animals. You guys are laughing, but you guys know what I'm talking about. And it needs to be understood. How can anyone in their sin understand the clear gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, we must start with the framework of sin and how the root of it always starts from, not the outside, but help me out, the inside. So when someone would share the gospel, let's talk about, let's tease on, not tease, but just correct some televangelists out there. They would always start that God blanks you. What is that blank? Loves you. We don't start the gospel there. Too many years we've been doing these big crusades and these big revivals. The gospel does not start with God loves you if the framework of the gospel has to start with sin. There is no good news apart from what? Bad news. So the gospel has to start with the framework of sin. So the gospel does not start with God loves you. Let me say this strong. You ready? The gospel starts with God's wrath is on you. You cannot run away from that. Why? Because we articulated that everybody has inherited sin and everybody has been imputated by sin. Therefore, the gospel always starts with God's wrath for sinners. That is true. So Jesus drops the bomb on how this can be taken care of. It must be preached to people. They must understand. And how do they understand? The framework of sin. Look at verse 15. It says, There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him or corrupt him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. I want you to continue on. The framework of the gospel begins with sin, not love. I want to continue to address the framework. Okay, listen to me. The gospel does not begin. All right, again, listen to me. The gospel does not begin. With God's precious love for sinners. That's a lie. Okay? Does God love sinners? I think David Platt says it best. Look to the cross. Does God hate sinners? Again, look to the cross. 
right? The gospel always begins with God's wrath for humanity because we are sinful. And what corrupts someone is what's on the inside, the heart. Jeremiah says it best. He says it this way. The heart is what? Deceitful. Again, let me say it again. He says the heart is deceitful. He puts some emphasis on that. All right? Sounds like my Hawaiian mom, right? All five foot one of them. Hawaiian, your heart is ugly. Your heart is corrupted. And then he goes on, above what? All things. And then he goes on, man, he's going to punch you over the head. Here's the left, Connie. And desperately what? Sick. Who can understand it? Are you with me? And here's the truth. We have people who are, who are Christians who are giving bad advice and counsel to their brother and sister in Christ because this is what they say. Just follow your... Say it again if you're a human and not animal in here. You just follow your what? That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because if you follow your heart, you are following deceitfulness. If you follow your heart, you're following the ways of desperately illness. If you follow your heart, then your heart will always lead you to sin. Jeremiah even says, I mean, wow, who can understand this? Who can understand it? No one. That's why you sin. You don't understand your depravity. You don't understand why you sin. That's why you sin. And what the gospel does, the gospel makes it very clear that we don't need new bodies. We need a new heart. We say it all the time. I didn't add it, but Ezekiel says it best. He said that God will rip out of us a heart of stone and place into our heart a new heart of flesh. Now, we're not talking about this physical heart. Ultimately, what they're talking about is illustrated in a new spirit. That our heart represents the new spirit. In fact, when David, King David, sinned with Bathsheba and killed her husband Uriah to cover up the, the pregnancy, he said to God, create in me a what? Clean heart, a new heart, right? Create in me a new heart. Why? Because David knew that his actions, right, wasn't based on what went in him and committing the act. His action was that his heart was deceitful. The nature of a sinner will always be to what, guys? Sin. Break God's law. Right? And we will always try to fix that, and we're going to realize that we can't fix it. Because who can understand the heart? No one. Lastly, I will be Paul. The fruit of sin is always seen on the outside. The fruit of sin is always seen on the outside. Mark does not give us an account of a response from the crowd or if any religious rulers remained there. Actually, in those small few verses, we transition in the text from a, a public area to a house. We don't know whose house they went into, but we do know that only a few people went with Jesus into the house, and that was his followers. And instead, Mark writes about an intimate conversation with Jesus and his followers, right? His followers are still naive. 
His followers are still not there yet, right? And so they ask an honest question, which I love about the disciples. They're not assuming Christianity. Can I get a witness, right? They're not assuming anything. They're actually being very honest about their heart. They're actually being honest to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they are asking King Jesus, what does this mean? What does this corruptive heart mean? Inside versus outside, the root of sin versus the fruit of sin. What does this mean? And so I want to just break down verse by verse what happens, and it will be Paul. Number one, they enter a house and have a debriefing time. Here's a great action step for you, family. You ready? Don't just sit around your tables to have a meal. Sit around your tables to have a debriefing time. What is a debriefing time? Balaal. Have a conversation. Talk about the gospel. Talk about silly stuff. But initially, remember that all has to go towards gospel-centered conversation. Every one of you who are, who Ohana Church is your home, you need to be in an Ohana group so that you can have a time of debriefing, like what Jesus is having. Look at me. Not all of us understand the doctrine of election, the doctrine of predestination, the doctrine of ecclesiology, the doctrine of eschatology. These all doctrines that we talk about as an elder, but we don't under understand that. But there are areas where we can go into people's lives where we can have a debriefing time together. Listen to me. This part right here is easy. Because all you got to do is show up. Showing up is easy. Oh, no. My kids. I mean, no, you don't have to do the work on Sunday mornings. I got it for you. Like, this part is hard for me. But I'm just spoon-feeding, y'all. I'm just giving you what my time spent with God. The real meat is what you do with it. And so you expect change in your life, but you're not having a debriefing time with people that have challenges just like you. Get in an Ohana group. Number two, the disciples asked about the parable. We heard about that. Number three, in verse 18, Jesus responds in a corrective tone. Listen to me. If you've been around those preaching that tickle your ear and make you feel better about your sin, that's not Jesus. In these verses, Jesus corrects them. Jesus says, basically, how can you hang with me all this time, Hawaiian, and you still no get them? Pilau you, bro. Like he speaks in a corrective way. This should give us all hope because these same disciples who would be mightily used by Jesus in Acts is right now completely incompetent. And you are surprised. My husband is incompetent. My wife is incompetent. My children is incompetent. I wish they would love Jesus even more. But what Jesus is saying, you're focusing on somebody's heart. You should be focusing on your heart. They did not understand the parables of the heart. Listen to me. There is hope for us this morning. Because we can put on our masquerades today. We can put on our church outfits, our church faces, and we can be just as corrupted as these Pharisees and these disciples. But there's coming a day where people will debrief with Jesus and Jesus tells them, your heart is the problem. Our heart is the problem. Jesus tells them, listen up. And understand, hear me. And Jesus makes it clear. I want you to hear this. Number four, Jesus clarifies the distinctive with the heart and the stomach, both spiritually and physically. He is addressing that anything that goes in you, right, is not the issue. The issue is what you are born with. 
Did you know that every one of us was born with an illness? How do I know? Because every one of us will die. Like, we could have cancer and be healed by cancer, but if cancer don't take us, one car may swipe us off. If a car don't take us, kids may stress you out and get brain aneurysm and die, right? right? The male eye we eat that could kill. You know, like, we all have an illness. And it's directed to original sin. What happened in the garden? The issue is not what Jesus is confronting, the washing of hands or the Jewish diet. In fact, we know it's not the Jewish diet because Jesus drops a bomb on these Jewish people. He says, everything is good to eat now. And if you're Hawaiian or Polynesian or Gentile in general, you better thank Jesus because I love me my fish and poi. I'm a big boy. Lome salmon, pipicaula, hurry up, extra large. Stop, stop, stop. Lao lao. And you're gonna have some soles in your life that put the pork out and put the chicken just to make them feel better about their sin. Because it's cleaner. Jesus has come to take your corruptive heart, right, and give you a new heart. And the only way where he tr makes a transaction, right, he transactions this corrupted heart with a new heart by what we're going to see in the next few months, what he did on the cross. Because he clarifies the difference between the heart and the stomach. Lastly, Jesus gives a clear understanding of the fruit of a defiled heart. He says it comes from the inside. And here's the fruit. Let me read it out to you on the screen again. Starting in verse 21, it says, or 20, here's the fruit. What comes out of a person is what, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, you see it? Everything that comes out comes from within, right? From within, out of the heart of what man all right, and when the Bible used the word man, he's also saying woman, okay? So wives, don't be pointing the finger at your husband this morning, all right? This is every man, woman, come what? Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. Look, 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 look. God puts an emphasis, I mean, emphasis on sexual immorality. He already said sexual immorality, but now he's talking about adultery. God's serious about these things, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sexuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from what? Within. And they defile a person. This is what corrupts us. This is what corrupts the church. This is what corrupts humanity. And here's the answer. Let me, let me, let me, let me just be very clear. Here's the answer to our corruptive hearts. You ready? Let's go back to verse 14. Here's the answer. And he called the people to him. Let's stop there. There should be a resounding noise right now because Jesus calls us from our corruption. And he called the people to him. 
He could have said, hell no. Like the heat this week, right? But instead, in his grace, in his mercy, he calls flawed, sinful, corrupt, defiled sinners to him. And the word says, again. Like this wasn't the first time he called them. Like, what's beautiful about that? I got chance. I get chance. Every one of us get chance. Every one of us. Because Jesus is that kind of person. He goes to say, he calls them again. And then he says these three powerful phrases that we just exegetically did. He says, hear me. Hoines. If God of the universe is telling you, hear me, there's some regeneration about to happen. Can I get a witness there? There's some saving that is about to happen. Let me get you there. There's some, there's something that's about to happen. Something good. What's that old song we used to sing? Something good is about to happen. Jesus has come. Hear me, all you sinners. <laughs> and understand. He's not saying you ended up yourself with your theological degrees and your experience. Hear me and understand. He's saying, I am here. You can understand because I am Jesus. The God that saves. The God that saves his people. The God that is with us. The God even when we are in my dark room. Some of you fellows and people who are in front of your phones and your tablets and your computers. He is right there in your slumber. And he's saying, I am here. Listen and understand. God is good. Because the framework of sin has been dealt with. Because Jesus, in his grace, in his mercy, in his sovereignty, in his justice, has said, I have come not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And if that is you today, listen, hear, understand, embrace Jesus today. Because today is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's not determined by the hot hell week we had. It's not the prayer by all these Kalohe people that we deal with. And if you're the Kalohe one, you better own your stuff today, Hawaiian. Jesus has made a way for sinners to have relationship with the Father.